Welcome back to Random Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Van, and with me today is indie author, one of my best friends, Justin Mason. Justin, how are you? Dan, I'm doing great. Uh, it's awesome to be back here for our second chapter breakdown and review episode here on Random Book Club Podcast. And uh, again, Crimson Shadow, book one, The Sword of Bedouin from R.A. Salvatore. Interesting read, fun fantasy book. And uh, today we're going to start things off by discussing, we'll start with chapter two and hopefully we're going to make it through chapter three today as well. That's the goal, chapter two and chapter three. So sure, we're going to bust right into it. I'm going to bring up my uh, my little rundown here. So it starts off, or is there anything in particular you want to bring up to begin with? Well, here's the thing. Let's talk about the title of chapter two, Two Nobles and Their Ladies. Yeah. So what is Salvatore doing here with these titles? He does a very good job of, I know this sounds so simplistic and so maybe just like, dude, everybody knows this, but tells you before you've even read a word of this actual chapter text what you're going to experience and now you're thinking to yourself okay i know these people just showed up on the shoreline i know i know these cyclopean uh boats just showed up i know some stuff's gonna go down okay well now who are these nobles who are their ladies and why should i give a damn i already have three four or five questions and i haven't even started reading the chapter yeah, it's well, it's great because it, we ended the last chapter knowing that um, the Ethan boat had and, come in from yeah. Montford or whatever uh, with the Duke's cousin. So now yeah. we open up chapter two, which if you're a page counter like I am and flip to the end of the chapter to see how long the chapter is going to be to get an idea how far you're going to go. This is the first big chapter. This is a big boy. This chapter is is full. So nice. it, it's uh it does let you know right from the get go two nobles and their ladies and it's like okay we're about to see what noble we apparently we didn't have any nobles yet in the sense of like <laughs> even though uh you know uh, Garrus and Luthien are like the kings of this island or whatever uh now we're gonna see real nobles you know. Yeah, so I love how they start. It's like, I can just imagine this in my mind. Doors bursting open, and in walks a Cyclopean soldier with the shield, with yep. the symbol emblazoned on it, and he walks in right to the Hall of Garrus Bedware. So it's like, you've got this entitled feeling to these people already, that they're that a servant, that a, a Cyclopean is coming in with them, just walking right in the front door, doesn't care, and... Viscount Offrey, the one-eyed Harold began, cousin of Duke Morkney of Montfort, sixth of eight, fourth in yep. line to, and it went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's like, God, I'm annoyed by these people already, and I'm I'm a cha I'm a paragraph in. Yep, yeah. So that's what I had written down. Um, where for the points to bring up, it starts off with the Cyclopean soldier, which are the one eyes, yep. uh, holding a shield with the emblem of Montfort, which is a bent arm and a pickaxe. So that's cool. So uh, Cyclopean's holding that and then rolls into Garrus' home. He introduces the Deuce cousins, listing all their titles, just like you were saying. And then his fellow, Wilmot, which is the cousin's friend. Um, and then the ladies, Elena and Avenise. And um, uh, then Garrus mutters something. He goes, Ellen and Avon. Garrus mutters under his breath, think, breath thinking the name's pretentious so what is i i guess i didn't understand that okay so uh we would have elenia and ebones and okay. you're just like avon and ellen yeah 
quit being a douche about it. You know, basically. But one more thing I want to point out before you get into that, right? But then why wouldn't you say Will instead of Wilmont? You know, like, why is it the girls' names that are... Because this isn't 2020. No, I'm saying, like... (laughs) Well, the thing that... The reason why it, it stuck with me, and then we'll get back to your point, was... I was like, Ellen and Avon. Well, the lower half of the island and because of Pretoria women, is and Avon. Because, and because women were not um, because women were not on the same level as men. Okay. And that's okay. not and that's not opinion. That's That's what it was. That's what it in was. This world or whatever. I just thought that maybe it had to do with like the fact that these girls' names aren't actually Elena and Avonese. It's actually Elenia. Elenia. Just, and, then, and they just call her Ellen. Um, yeah. So, Evaness. I thought that they were maybe na- fake names after like the mm. places in uh, in Pretoria. Nice. But nice. see, I noticed that too. I noticed that too. But I I couldn't find Ellen Elena Elena <laughs> on the map or anything like that. So. so one thing I wanted to point out, right, is we talked about this in the last episode where I said, you know, why don't these guys just all bend together and kick Greensboro's ass? So we have this, we have this Cyclopean soldier talking about the Viscount Aubrey, you know, really bragging him up and really making a big deal out of it and talking about his feats of valor, which were exaggerated mm-hmm. and still to Garrus seemed like, eh, you know, like I do that shit all the time. You it's know, like, okay, deal. cool. You know, so think about this, right? Because <clears throat> he's lived on Bentrogen for more than 60 years. Mm-hmm. It's like he's seen it all. He's been through it all. Nothing impresses him. Okay, whoopty frickin' do do your. He's seen ebbs. He's seen flows. Yeah, like it don't surprise him anymore. It's another lordling, and and I I like how Garrus is though he has to play a certain part, and we've come to realize this uh, in this book. He has to play a certain part. He has to act a certain way. Still under his breath, and still in these like, uh, not asterisk, but these little uh, what the heck is that called? Uh, Ellipses. Yeah, uh, uh, Ari Salvatore is still telling us. Look, he's still not buying their shit. Yeah, like he has yeah, to. Yeah, you get back on way. Team Garrus again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's not. He's not buying what they're selling. Like he knows it's BS. So I love that about Garrus. So then that's when Garrus busts in and asks um, why they are here, but in a polite way. And Aubrey says, "No, he's not going to tell them why they're here, there." But the girls chime in, obviously drunk, and. Um, about how they're on holiday, of course, is what they, what they say. We're on holiday, of course. We're on holiday. Cruising to the aisles. Oh, God. It's like you have time to do that, but you don't have time to do any work. You don't have right. time to better your people. You don't have time to make more money. But you sure have time to go on holiday, drink wine, and act stupid. And they had just come in. They, they were on holiday, of course, and they had just come in from... Isle of Marvis. Isle of Marvis. Map. Pull up the map. <laughs> oh, it's too small. Yeah, it's it just bigger. looks like it's just to the east of Isle Bedrogen. There it is. Yep. So here's Isle Bedrogen up in the upper mm-hmm. northwest, uh, yep, northern part of the of Pretoria, and to the right of that, or to the east, is Isle Marvis. And um, pull that out of the way. Won't have that sticking in front of my face for thirty minutes. Um, so they're talking about right how we were shown such a great time on the Isle of Marvis. Oh right, you know, yeah, they this, compared their treatment because the Isle of Marvis has a reputation, and you can even see where Garrus is, you know, a little, uh, a little, uh, a little love for Bruce Durgis because uh, you know he's a friend, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I like that. I, I like how Garrus is willing to give credit where it's due. 
and you know show a more human side of himself like hey yeah you know this guy and i are friends and he is very gracious like yeah he's awesome yeah, yeah. so uh um i'll explain that a little bit more in depth here so they had just come from the isle marvis and began to compare the treatment that they received there um from what they expect here in bedrigen aubrey explains that he hates the dishes served on this island and that they will be leaving as soon as possible because they are late for an audience with Morkney, the Duke of Montfort. Morkney is his name. Um, they would have to bypass the. They, they would have bypassed the island entirely if Bruce Durgis, Earl of Marvis, um, said that uh, or Earl of Marvis's arena wasn't lacking in Aubrey's words. So like it, mm. he wasn't impressed with what was in so, the arena. So they're basically on this big cruise, this big trip looking for some sport. They're getting shit faced, drinking a bunch of wine, eating food, you know, and yeah, the arena was kind of shit on the Isle of Marvis. I'm looking for a better, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for some action. I, I want it to be safe. My hunger for violence. That's basically what they're saying. Well, I like to imagine that, um, uh, Bruce Durgis, the 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 Earl of Isle Marvis, is like is like Garrus. Okay, so like they're both old dogs, or they've known okay. each other. They came up together, you know, in the sense of like they kind of started running their things. And since they're close to each other, of course they're going to be trade partners. Of course their boats are going to be crossing each other in the dorsal sea and that kind of stuff. And I like to imagine that when um, Aubrey and his crew comes rolling in he's like oh i gotta get garris i gotta have i gotta have them visit garris oh oh yes my arena i'm sorry sir i'm sorry aubrey that uh my arena wasn't good but you know garris's arena is just fantastic you gotta go there you know like in the sense of like like they're old friends so they're like okay just so you know yeah we we got uh issues with these uh little lordlings rolling through but i'm gonna make you suffer too i don't know it just seemed uh it seemed cool that um it, i forget it, exactly where it was but you know he is an old friend of garris like it yeah. seemed like the dude's a good guy yeah i like it uh so you know then we see aubrey and evan or not aubrey, yeah aubrey and evaness they're they're looking for um they're looking for that they're looking for this fight they're looking for some entertainment you know and garris is like and hey you know, I could show these guys a fight and some entertainment, and get that, get them the hell out of here before lunch, and I don't have to serve them soup or lamb and listen to yep. a bitch and cry about it. So, get them out of here. Yeah, get them out. And like, I like that, right? Like, it's there was a very dry tone, though detectable tone of comedy here, and I yes. really like that. And I think an astute reader picks it up very, very well, easily. Well, it, it, they blow it right in in the beginning with first of all, the girls are drunk, being like, "We're on holiday." They're yeah. woo girls, you know. Yeah, and then, um, I hate myself. <laughs> and then the older, so they specifically kind of mentioned that one of them is older, and that's uh, Avon S, and she's flirting with Garrus hard, and G Man was just glad to get the visit over with before lunch, like you said. Like he's like, okay, yeah, we got an arena. We'll show you that right away. So Garrus sets off to make the arrangements as requested, um, required, you know, and finds that Lu- finds Luthien and tells him. To get back to the yard and prepare to show off. Because he Luthien, just come from the just finished. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 he was just sure. toweling off, dude. Just toweling off. Toweling that running sweat away off after he tells yeah. off. Oh, I just it's like a everybody. Baywatch scene, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so he tells him to set up two fights previous to his with Cyclopeans in them and then ask, who would give you the best fight? Let me ask you something. Yep. Before we continue. There's a line I want to read. Mm. Who would give you the best fight, Garrus asked. 
Ethan, probably, Luthien replied without hesitation, but Garrus was already shaking his head. Can you imagine how much this book changes if Luthien fights Ethan? Big time, because someone had to die. Yeah. I mean, what? Uh, oh, no, we've all read it. Yeah, we're, this is the book club. We've read this already. Okay, yes. so, dude, yeah. Because then Think Ethan, about that for a second, Ethan bro. would kill Luthien. Or not, Ethan wouldn't kill or Luthien. Luthien. Or Luthien would have beaten Ethan, and Ethan would have been killed. Or it's a draw, and uh, they decide to not kill each other. And then um, Aubrey goes back to Mumford and's like, yo, we got to start landing troops on, um, nice. on nice. Isle Bedrogen because they ain't they ain't playing with us. Yeah. And so then, then Garrus has to go over to uh, Isle Marvis and be like, yo, Bruce, I need you, dude. They're coming up. They're going to try to take us over. And then there's this whole, like, rebellion of the Isles. Yeah, you're right. It does change a lot. <laughs> but instead, he'll be fighting Garth Rogar. A Hugoth. Garth Rogar, man. Party a on, dude. A, a, a Hugoth, if I'm correct. He is a Hugoth, which yeah. is the... Um, the barbarian peoples. The barbarians, yeah. So, But they're um, friends. Uh, Luthien and uh, him are friends, but they have kind of yep. like that competitive spirit amongst each other. Yes. Like when it's really would, cool. Like, like when it, you would go to rebound the basketball in middle school, and I would slap it out of the way and say, man, I'll mess you up so bad I'll make your head spin. Make your head spin. And then yeah. I walk away, and I'm like... Yeah. I guess nah, I'm not playing basketball. I guess, I guess I'm not I being friends with I learned how to play basketball. I guess I'm not being friends with that dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So what I have written here is Garrett sets off to make the arrangements. Okay, so who would give you the best fight? Luthien honestly states that Ethan would, which is awesome. Um, G-Man don't want that because Ethan uh, wouldn't and doesn't fight in the arena anymore. He probably kicks too much ass. So Luthien volunteers his... Brother from a barbarian mother. I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote this. Basically one of his best friends. Garth Rogar. Party on, man. Uh, Luthien, Luthien runs off eager to please. He's excited to do this. Um, so cut to the tunnels that lead into the arena. But wait Garth, now. Wait oh. now. Wait now. There's yep. a... There's a... There's a. Well, no, you're probably, you're probably right to bring us there. But I want to say this. There is a... There is a feeling here, right? There is a whole feeling of calmness. Mm-hmm. Comedy, yep, little light joking, and when they get into these tunnels, when they get into this prep area with Garth Rogar and Luthien, it it's back and forth, back and forth. And here's Catherine or Catherine or whoever we're gonna say it. Oh hail! It's still they're shit talking and each other. forth. They're shit talking each other. She's getting involved. Like it's it. It feels like you're in a bar with your best buds trying to figure out who's gonna pick up the hot girl. I mean, let's be yep. real. But yeah. that's the whole thing. Like, they go from this incredible emotional comedic uh, high to what we're going to experience coming up a little bit later. Just this, oh, it's a big, crap. It's a big change, yeah. It's a huge roller coaster change, absolutely. So they're going back and forth. They're shit-talking each other. And they're giving you a little bit of background about their characteristics. It's a good scene. It's written well. And it made me feel like I was sitting right on the bench next to Luthien or Garth. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it felt like you're in the locker room. And if some yeah. of the viewers, yeah. listeners haven't uh, been in a locker room or whatever, it's just, you know, you're just lightheartedly jabbing each other. and, and yeah. When he slaps the guy to... in the butt with his sword, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah so... It. They do this for fun and for training. So Garth and Luthien joke around in horseplay. They mock spar each other, yeah. um, a bit showing off Garth's strength. So we'd learn that Garth is really strong yes. and that Luthien has sword skills. Like it's just a mock little in the, you yeah. know, they're like, oh, I'm going to get you, you know. 
Like we already see. Go ahead. We already see what each of them is skilled at. Yes. Within the first page and a half. Yep. So then we get introduced to the um, potential love interest here. So Garth teases Luthien that he's going to cut his lip and he won't be able to kiss mm. Catherine O'Hale anymore. Nice, nice. But then she comes back and see she don't need no man to defend her. She steps right in. And tells well, the Garth, whole room I'm... hushes, comes yeah. to a hush. They're yeah. like, oh. We talked about uh, Kate because no can't. one makes fun of Kate. Nobody does that. She just steps up. It's like, yo, I'm going to cut your dick off. Yep. She heard uh, and entered the scene by blasting the back of Garth's head with a leather packet, and everybody laughs. <laughs> everybody laughs. Love it. So then the narrator describes the history of the arena um, and how everyone in Eridor has to train at least three years, but Luthien has made it his life's endeavor. So it's it's a requirement for everyone to train at least three years. Um, but Luthien's like, no, this is my thing. I'm going to get better at fighting. Nice. So I going like on uh, to explain that Luthien has been in the arena perhaps 100 times and defeated everyone except for his first fight, which was against his brother Ethan, so, who left the arena shortly after. So what does this do? What does this whole scene do? You and I talked about this. It immediately gives us a feeling of... It's like saying, I want to see John Cena and The Rock wrestle at WrestleMania. Like two yep. two titans of their time, two of the biggest names in the history of the company or in the history of the arena. We want that fight. And Ari Salvatore already, I'm on page 16, is making me say, please let them fight at some point. Well, it's like it's um, reaffirming that even though our introduction to Ethan, I think the introduction to Ethan's a little weak. Like if we were talking about what we liked and what we didn't like about yeah. Um, the book, like the chapters and stuff, it's a little weak because he comes off as like snotty and like childish, you know, um, almost to the point of, well, I'm not going to put up with right, the father. Yeah, that's you are, dude, or they're going to kill you and yeah, all of us. It's not so much childishness. It's more just like, why are you being like this? You don't you grew up here. You know how the rules are. It's kind of yeah. like Garrus has to remind him of this. Yeah. And so you get this kind of feeling of like, oh, Ethan's kind of like a snotty older brother. But yeah, yeah. when you get this where it says, um, you know, that Luthien beats everybody in the arena except for Ethan, who ended up leaving. And we've already remembered that Ethan doesn't want to do the arena ma- anymore because he is really good. It, it reaffirms for you that, okay, Ethan is actually kind of badass. And right now he's just going through some stuff mentally of, like, trying to sort out where they're I- where they are in the kingdom. Like, do we really want to bow down to this Green Sparrow guy? Or, like, why do we have to do this kind of thing? So... It's less, it, it kind of makes, it gives a couple points to Ethan if you were not on Team Ethan yet, you know? So, um, let's see here. Uh, so, going on to explain that Luthien has won 100 times, defeated everyone except for Ethan, who left shortly after that. Then, end the arena explanation by running through the skills of the group, naming Luthien as the finest of the group, Katarin as swift and agile as any cat, any cat, okay? You take any cat in the kingdom, all of Pretoria, she is as fast and as swift as any of them. Garth Rogar is just a beast. He'll punch your face in. Love uh, it. And then uh, there's Buckwell, the Cyclopean, who's one of their friends. Like, hey, here's Buckwell. He's totally, totally doesn't matter, but he's here. And he, who can seriously take a beating, no problem. And Garth, who was powerful beyond the normal limitations of any human. That's the quote. Powerful beyond the normal limitations of any human. And he's 17 years old. Hell yeah. Cut. So it's like, 
for me, I was like, like they, they call him like a powerful man. He's powerful beyond any normal limitations of any human, but he's 17. Like, so what would 20 year old Garth Rogar be like freaking beast? Well, the thing that the, the reason why I bring it up is because if he's powerful beyond the normal limitations of any human, what this is actually saying is that barbarians are powerful beyond the, the normal limitations of any human, not just that him in particular, because if that was the case, then he's like, you know, some demigod or something like that. But really, it's explaining the Hugoth people that, yeah, they're human, but they they beefy. Really, know? what it is, is it's absolutely genius writing. Yeah, it's it's very good. It lets you know exactly what's up, uh, whether you like it or not. Like when I first read it, I'm like, he's a 17 year old who's that powerful. Like, what about his dad? What about his mom? You know. But then it then it kind of kicks in and goes, oh, it's like the whole people. And even if I got it wrong, which on the first reading I did, where I thought it was just him who's this powerful guy, I was excited to see where this is going. I like I wanted to see, um, you know, I want to see Garth and. Luthien go on their adventures. I want to see Garth and Ethan throw down. That could have been cool. Yeah, that would be cool too. Yeah, maybe maybe Garth beats Luthien, you know, just kind of edges him out, and then he has to fight um, could have been Ethan, cool. whatever. So let's talk about, uh, let's just talk about the scene leading up to the actual fight. Yep. We've got the, we got the ladies, we got the Earl, we got, you know, we got all these other people. And the ladies are just insufferable. Oh my oh god, Cyclopians. I want some sweating man flesh. Like yes. here's Ooh. the thing, dude. I'm trying to read this as though I'm like a coastie. Um I would like some sweating man flesh. Oh my god. Like I'm just I'm trying to read it like that because it's freaking hilarious how badly you just want to turn and punch them right in the mouth. So please, so, Garrus, hit them. So now <laughs> For the fights, in round yes. one, the two Cyclopians are beating each other up Nobody uh, with light clubs, and Garrus leads the four visitors, Aubrey, Wilman, and the two hussies, Av- Avanes. How do you how are you saying it? I, I thought it was Avanes, but Avanes, but Avanes, Avanes, whatever. It doesn't whatever. Matter. And Elenia. Elena. Elenia. Yeah, whatever, it don't matter. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Um, to the seats of honor in the front of the balcony, opposite to the tunnels that are opening into the arena. So where all the horseplay and all the little jokes about Catherine O'Hale are going on the opposite of that, that's where Garrus is leading in these guests. So Garrus sits in the middle of the girls in a sandwich between, or no, Garrus sits in the middle and gets sandwiched in between the two girls. Garrus is very uncomfortable and made more so by Aubrey's three Cyclopean guards that came with them, noting that one of them is carrying a crossbow which is odd because Cyclopeans are notorious for having bad aim due to their one eye. So yes. we've got so it's not just these insufferable girls and Aubrey and um, his bro Wilman, but now Garrus is sitting in between these two girls and they're going back and forth exactly what you're saying. They want to see a fight uh, fighting with some um, dudes. And then men. there's like he's uncomfortable cuz this frick, he brought his Cyclopean guards. Like yeah. okay, and one of them's wielding a, a crossbow like yeah. i guess sure dude i guess if you want to you can have that with you but so they get the they get the cyclop they get the cyclopians out of there and they bring out katrin o'hale and they're gonna bring somebody else out and immediately these two girls start whining at him like no i don't want to watch i don't want some oh i'm not at, i'm not at round two yet oh well get to round two bro. okay 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 it's the best so part not, not a lot of so to more scene setting there not a lot of islanders were in attendance due to the short notice of the event 
Uh, Garrus wanted a cheering crowd, but this was me. That this was the best he could get away with. So Evanes yeah. complains that she's not impressed with the Cyclopean fight, like you were saying. Why if I wanted to watch Cyclopeans brawl, I would simply throw a piece of unhooked meat into the midst at Castle Montfort. So another Ooh. name drop. Oh yeah. Oh no, you didn't. Um, it's so, the dry. It's the dry fantasy humor, dude. But it's also letting you know that okay, Cyclopeans are so ingrained in her culture that at the castle montfort there's a ton of cyclopians it's there. nothing new you know it's it so they're ingrained in there so but Aubrey you can, chimes in go ahead you can also see that she's not easily impressed right and she's not just gonna buy this little trick show this little pony horse show she wants something she wants something snappy make it happen so aubrey chimes in and reminds garris that his cousin morkney the duke of montfort would be disappointed to hear that his visit to isle bedrogen wasn't pleasant to which Garrus assures him that this is not the primary show. So, round two. Katarin and young, and a young lass from across the island walk in after the um walk in after the floozies on either side of Garrus complains, obviously jealous of the youth and beauty of the two female combatants, they get sent back into the tunnel. I love it. It's, uh, so, it's it says so much about generational gap silently of course yeah. but it says so much about generational gap it says so much about jealousy it says so much about the two ladies one on each side it it tells us so much about these characters they just all they care about is themselves all they care about is their entertainment and they want men yep get these cyclopians out of here get these freaking hoe bags out of here i want a sweaty dude dripping down his rippled chest and i want to slather him with my tongue all night long that's what she's thinking it's gonna require a towel luckily luthien has several yes luckily luckily he's been toweling off um so ethan was peeking around the corner uh from nearby he was nearby he wasn't in the booth he was just kind of peeking through he, he can, he's got a vantage point of the arena but he also has a vantage point vantage point of the guests this is now i know this is going way too in depth but this tells me a lot about Ethan. He's positioning himself. He's not just there to just peek around the corner. He's there to make sure he's got an eye on everything. And but he doesn't let anyone know he's there. He's not being sneaky. He's just not letting anyone know he is present. He's just today. not walking up to his dad and saying, "Hey dad, how are you?" "Hey dad, where's the popcorn?" Uh it's not happening. Uh so uh, he's pissed off at the sight of the guests and um how hit how cowed his dad is submitting through intimidation. So here they come, Garthrogar and Luthien, and the, Round ladies, three. and the ladies are drippy wet. The main event, Luthien and Garth walk out in, into the coos and catcalls from the two women. Elenia chooses Garth as her champion, and Avaness uh, chooses Luthien, giving him her fine uh, cambric, which I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up. It's a lightweight, closely woven white linen or cotton fabric. Uh, so gave gave uh, Luthien her cambric handkerchief. The girls get very competitive with who is going to win. Yep. So, okay. This is our introduction to uh, Bob's writing style when it comes to fights. And we and, can actually, oh boy. And we can actually skip that whole fight scene. And really? Just go, right, go right to the end. Yeah, you don't have to discuss it. It's not important. Okay, well, let me tell you. <laughs> Really? It was a joke, bro. Oh, okay. Because, okay, I wrote the whole fight log. Jesus. We don't have to go over it if you don't want to. Well, we, I mean, we should. Okay, so here's the well, fight We log. don't have to go through every pirouette and dodge and slice and stab. Um, or do you want to? 
you do. Go ahead. You know I'll what? Listen. We don't have to. I we're going, out, bro, but bro. We're doing I'll, it. We'll go over the first like I don't know, fifteen hits. Okay? Hey, just do the whole thing. Whatever. Okay, so here's the fight log. These fights are, um, are it's dense. official here on the Random Book Podcast. Dan is going to do the entire fight for us. Go. Okay, this is the only fight I'm going to do for you guys because every fight in this book is like this. They're all very well written. I would encourage everyone if you um you in your fantasy books you lack a little bit of realisticness in your fights and stuff. Uh, this dude knows how to fight. He knows how to write how to fight. Like it's really good. So I've been I've been taking notes, bro. Here we go. I've been taking notes. This is the fight that happens between Luthien and Garth. Let's hear about it, man. I love so, it. It was a great scene. First hit from Garth with his spear to Luthien's hip for a stinging nip. Luthien wipes at Garth's leg or swipes at Garth's leg with his sword and misses, and Garth jumps back. Luthien pushes forward, snapping his sword back and forth. Garth blocks uh, a knee strike with a downward thrust and of the spear creating an opening on himself. Luthien uses the opening to shield slam Garth's chest and face for a first hit against the Barbarian, causing causing a broken nose on Garth. Look at that. Bloody, one hit. One, one hit. hit. Broken nose. Shield bash. You can see these guys don't hold back. No. They're, they're, this is this is training, but this is the arena on freaking Bedrogen. This is the arena of Bedrogen. This is what Bruce O'Connell or whatever from the other island was like, yeah, you got to go see those boys up. You got to go uh, see them beat the shit out of each other, bro. So bloody nose and uh, one side of his mouth. Um, And that's just the first half page of the fight. Literally. Garth howls while charging at Luthien, who turns the spear out wide and scores another hit with his shield for a glancing blow against Garth's chest. Garth counters uh, with an arm hook to Luthien's body and dives his knee into Luthien's thigh, causing Luthien to stumble. Garth goes for a finisher, but Luthien swipes out quickly and nicks Garth's knee, stopping his charge short. They square up and rush each other, crossing spear and sword, parrying, the, parrying and countering sword uh, and with sword and fist, the two being well-balanced and uh, well-matched. Garrus, at this point, swells with pride at his son's skill. He, so he's, he's sitting in the bleachers, but he actually takes a moment for himself and is like, man... Luthien, you're so good, dude. Man, good I job, haven't watched man. my kid fight in years. Yep, and this is actually just a freaking beast. Like he's yep. great. So Garth starts again with his spear, uh, a spear thrust fake out, and Luthien parries out, uh, only to have his sword disarmed by the upward pull of Garth's spear. So using his momentum, uh, Garth mule kicks Luthien in the midsection, knocking the wind out of him and doubling him over. So Luthien blocks the spear. Uh, Spears butt end uh, head strike with his shield and takes a kick to the hip while scrambling away. So when, yeah, okay, well, I'm just going to keep going. Then uh, gets his male gauntlet, uh, gauntleted hand cut by Luthien's sword, uh, Garth did. Luthien presses forward, leading with a shield so Garth can't retract the spear. At some point in his scramble towards him, um, Luthien gets his sword back, uh, and Luthien's sword pounded hard on by Garth's uh, leather bandolier. Luthien pulls the sword. Uh, no, Luthien pushes forward, fake out. Just as Garth presses back, Luthien stops and back, back pedals, leaving Garth overbalanced. Luthien falls into a backward roll 
and kicks both feet into Garth's belly as he rolls over him, sending him tumbling over to land heavily on his back. Both combatants get back to their feet and square up. Alina yells, CRUSH HIM! Like, and then everyone in the audience is like, uh, what? It silences the whole small crowd. Yeah, but is, we're all, you know, and we're reading this like, dude, this is really great fight, right? Yeah, but it's and, a little too intense, Alenia. Like, and here's this, this is girl. a fight. This here's is, this girl. Crush him! Cut his freaking head off! Yep. And I'm like, Jesus, lady, calm down. So it's a little too uh, intense for the irregular arena um, goers, but Garth spear thrusts, uh, faints, pulling the spear up short uh, to whip the butt end into Luthien's shield. Luthien counters with a straight cut, but misses being just out of range. Garth's, uh, Garth full spear thrusts over Luthien's shield and uh, scores a hit on Luthien's helmet. Then Garth quickly uh, whips the butt end around again and getting a solid hit on Luthien's shield and back. Luthien hooks shield under Garth's armpit, lifting him off balance, and Garth catches Luthien's sword arm uh, which was swinging down at him. Luthien heaves his arm and legs out wide to send uh, Garth's spear flying off as he falls heavily to the ground. Garth gets up and charges um, and charge punches Luthien's blocking shield, which breaks the strap and drops the shield to the ground. Think about that for a second. That's a pretty heavy punch. I mean, dude, if you punched a solid shield, you would hurt. It would hurt. But obviously, the, the Hugos have a little bit of rage in them. They got oh, a little fire. A little something special. They're, I would say that they're more powerful than any normal human. Dan, I get your dry humor. The Luthien viewers ducks, not, but I do. Luthien ducks from a second punch, then leaps back from a third, then swings broken shield at Garth to keep him back. Garth dodges the first sword thrust, then Garth spins into Luthien's left dodging and second sword thrust. Uh, Luthien snaps a punch with his own free left hand into Garth's already broken nose. Garth feigns a smile and asks Luthien if he will yield. So he gets punched, and then uh, he kind of goes, are you going to yield yet, or are we going to have to take this seriously? And it's like, what? got to kick your ass, bro. Um, (laughs) It's like, oh, you weren't serious until now. Okay. This this um, This is not my final form. This is not even my final form, bruv. You broke my nose? That's it? Baby stuff. Okay, Garth charges Luthien, who's... Ma broke my nose when I was two. Yeah, this is... I I broke my nose for breakfast, bro. Okay? (laughs) Oh, no. Um, So at the last second, he tosses his sword into the air. Luthien. Garth is Right up into his face, and Garth's... I see Garth going like this, like stopping and going like... He flinches. Yeah. Allowing Luthien a right-left punch combination with momentum, Luthien then catches his sword in his hand and moves it into moves it into position in Garth's neck to force a yield. But Garth caught the tip and um, forced it out, forced it out wide, then clamped his hand on Luthien's forearm. Alenia at this point yells, "Rip his arm off!" <laughs> Meanwhile, you and I are reading this like. Um, what? It's a good fight. I'm enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, this I is would not want either of also to actually get hurt. His arm off. I would and not want either. It's like the person at the WWE wrestling shows. Kill him! I'm yeah, like, like, no, don't kill him! <laughs> okay, so uh, then they move into a clinch, which is a when you're yeah, grappling. Yeah, like a grapple, yep. Both together. Um, and Luthien breaks Garth's grip on his swordless arm. The combatants exchange punches, so they're just gripping each other going... Boom, boom, they're just boom, wailing boom. on each other at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Luthien gets three free punches on Garth, and Garth clamps uh, his hand under Luthien's crotch and lifts him over his head. 
uh, Luthien headbutts Garth, and then Garth tosses Luthien 10 feet. 10 feet. That's a long throw, bro. Hey, man, I trust Garth just about as far as he can toss Luthien, which is a pretty long way. <laughs> Turns out, 10 it's feet. 10 feet. <laughs> That's hey, a lot. Good, good comedy here on Random Book Club Podcast. <laughs> so Luthien feints a strike with, uh, with his sword um, and punch to keep... Uh, Head spinning Garth off balance. Okay, wait. So yeah, he made his head spin. Made his head spin. Yeah, I wrote that in there. And um, Lupian falls to the ground and performs a textbook leg sweep that sends Garth to his back, knocking the wind out of him. Lupian nice. rushes Garth and plants a foot on his chest and positions his sword on top of Garth's nose to mark the end of the fight and the victory for Lupian. <sighs> Holy crap, dude! That, that was, was like a five-page fight. You know? It was insane. It was here's the thing. Like when I say don't read the fight, don't talk about the fight. <clears throat> it's 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 a joke, but it's like I mean, dude, they go forever. Yeah. I was I was I was really into this scene. I, I it was, was cool, back. but I was also like, okay, they fight each other. We they're know not gonna not, kill each other. Right. We know they're good guys. Nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. So And then something happens. Then something happens. So at what? this point, Garris is proud of his son. And happy that Aubrey seems appreciative. But Alenia cuts in and says to Garrus, Pray off of the down-pointing thumb, Earl Bedware. And uh, I'm like, hold up, girl. I'm thinking, I'm getting flashbacks to uh, Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought Gladiator right away. Yep. I'm like, "Uh, do they do that in this book? No. Do they do that in this world? I guess it's an arena. I guess. That will happen. No. 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 Hold up, girl. You want me to force my son to kill his friend? Thumb down. That's how I imagine her saying it. Not yep. thumb down. I imagine her just going like thumb down. So then stammering, Garrus decides to put his thumb down to avoid future consequences from Mudford. Her right Luthien's confused. By ancient tradition. Luthien is confused. He doesn't have time to process what's going on. Because he's like, what do you mean thumb down? Like, what? But then, uh, he had, does, at this point, he's, like, thinking about, like, what is going on here. Um, when the Cyclopean guard with the crossbow shoots Garth Rogar in the chest, killing him instantly. Stop. Luthien had stepped back by this point and extended his hand to his friend. Garth Rogar reached up and taken that gas, starting to rise. When it came a click of a firing crossbow, the barbarian jerked suddenly clamping tightly on Luthien's hand. Luthien did not at first understand what had transpired, then Garth Rogar's grip loosened, and time seemed to move in slow motion as the proud barbarian slowly slipped back to the dirt. Wow. <laughs> oh, um, I guess something bad does happen to yeah. these people. So here we have comedy, we yep. have dry comedy, we have a great humor throughout the fight with these two spitting back and forth at each other with their little their little quips at each other. Yep. I think it's freaking hilarious. And you have these two girls getting at each other all catty. Like, I want him to win. I want him to win. And I'm like, okay, well, this is really cute. And then he's dead. Yep. End of chapter. And You're welcome. It's like a major bummer. So I wrote this down. I wrote in, in a parentheses here. This is a bummer because all through that fight, I was falling in love with Garth's character. Imagining how his fighting style would mesh with Luthien's, what adventures they could have, etc. Yeah. But nope, he's dead. So it's like... Gone. He, I mean, he wasn't in for very long. 
But you already got a sense of his character, his honor, um, his camaraderie, you know, it like you were like excited to read more about this character, Garth. And now he's freaking dead. And that's the end of the chapter that that. So what did you think of the chapter? I ended my night of reading on that chapter. Oh, did you? I could. Yeah. I, I did. could. I was I going to end it because it was so freaking long. And I read the title of the next one, Farewell, My Brother, and I was like, oh. Yeah. He's yeah, like, it's like it's like the end of Dragon Ball Z when they're yeah. like, will Krillin survive the next episode? And the next episode is called Krillin Died, you know? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So, I like, it, it's kind of one of those where it's like, oh, this is actually real. Because what I was hoping, I was like, man, maybe they'll get a healer on them or bring them to the doctor or something. That's not going to happen. So I got some things I want to go over um, that went through this chapter. So I got some questions for Bob. So Bob, leave... why do you do these things to us? Bob, Bob, question for you. Hey, <laughs> uh, quick one for you, Bob. Question, Bob. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan and Justin from uh, RVC Podcast. Yeah, you know us. Yeah. Uh, when okay, so when Alenia and Avenise are introduced as the ladies uh, of Wilmon. Wilman and Aubrey, Garrus utters Ellen and Ava, Avon, and we talked about this, so I think it makes more sense now, but They're being in reference to pretension. So does being... Garrus already know them and has known them as Ellen and Avon, or is the pretentiousness because Avon is the name of the land of the south of the Iron Cross, and by naming yourself after the land makes you look bad in this world? Um, you and will if call so, me by my Full name, Avoness. Avon isn't that good enough. It's like when you call oh, somebody right. Mark and they're like, ah, it's Dr. Mark. It's, I'm like, no, you're an Marcus. asshole and it's we're not Mark. talking anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. I like that. Uh, hey, Mark, it's Dr. Mark. Okay. Somebody did that to my uh, to my friend Paul when we were in high school. He walked up to him, he shook his hand, and he's like, it's really nice to meet you, Bob. And he's like, it's Dr. I'm like, dude, I would have punched him in the mouth right there. Wow. To some high school kid. I'm like, dude, don't talk down to him. He's the future weird and it turns out he's a doctor now so yeah. i guess that had an impact i guess it worked um so i was just wondering like what the deal was with that i think it's more along the line like you understand bob's writing better than i do mm. i read it and i'm like uh what does that mean does that like have something to do with the map uh and you're just like no it's just ellen and avon like shortened names it's pretentious yeah, just to make being, it long. just acting like you call me by my full royal name or piss off Okay, so here's my next question. Garth Rogar gets killed by the Cyclopean Guard with the crossbow right after he loses to Luthien in the arena. Have you ever killed any likable and potential main characters so quickly in any of your other books? I wrote that question in anger because I was like, dude, I wanted to hang with Garth, dude. Have you ever done that in any of the other books? And I want to read those because that's that's a pretty, I mean, I don't, this is the first time I've read a book where someone dies right away. So let's discuss this as a writing that, tool. That right? actually matters. That feels yeah. like it actually is going to matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's discuss this as a writing tool, right? So when you start writing a book, you have to have something that makes a reader say, I got to read the rest of this. Doesn't writing tools it, with Justin yeah. Mason in yeah, the author. Here it goes. It's a writing tool. It really is. And it doesn't matter really how you do it, but a really good way to make readers hate somebody is to have a bad guy or group of bad guys kills somebody that the reader likes, you know, and, and, you know, it, 
it is it works and it makes you yep. say what is going to happen now is luthien going to want to go for revenge uh how is this going to affect the rest of the story how is this going to affect luthien going forward uh how will this re affect his relationship with his father so we already have a bunch of questions just yeah, from so this one action yes yeah because garris did put the thumb down and at that point i'm like but garris, luthien doesn't why? know it was at the behest of the others right and it was like couldn't you have made i mean he did he did go back and forth with them saying no you know this is my I don't think he said my son's friend, but he was like, no, it's not needed. You know, like we don't need yeah. to do this, but it just makes me, that's when I, I, I jumped off the Garrus, the G man train. I was like, you nope, can, sorry, you can not see a fan anymore that even so Garrus is hesitant. So you can yep. see that Garrus and the people in Isle Bedrogen are value life. And you can see that Avanessa and Lania and these other people, they value entertainment. They value what they want. Backing up the claims of pretentiousness. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely genius writing and structure and i i mean i've learned i learned so much from these first the prologue chapter one and chapter two i learned so much from these first three chapters i already see it reflecting in my own writing the way i structure characters and the way i have them interact with each other it's that's it's, awesome it's freaking mind-boggling way to go bob and bob does it so easy it, it, i mean maybe like, he uh, doesn't do it easy maybe this was incredibly difficult for him to write no but he wrote it, it on on a saturday while watching the game. saturday watch yeah Having a couple beers with the guys. Just like, guys, I'm just going to write some notes quick. and Yep. That kind of shit, right? Yeah. It's, it's, easy. It's, it's, it's really good writing, and it shows you how... It, it seems natural. It doesn't seem mechanic. Yeah, or it, it doesn't seem mechanical. And you know? it shows you how the death of a character can absolutely impact not only your perception of other characters, be it Garrus yep. or Luthien yep. or Catherine or these other ladies. That's or what's the, impressive. Or the yeah. folks that are with it. But so, but it also shows you how it can impact, again, the flow of the story, the pacing of the story, the storyline in general, and what you're expecting from the book at the end of the day. Which, yep. look at, you're just, oh, I have these, Garth, Luthien, going to have a brother story, we have a buddy-buddy story, yep. they're going to go kick some ass. Not anymore. Yep. And this, not only is that a big deal to just, it's not just writing a death scene. Now you got to write the follow-up. This is, I feel like this would be extremely difficult to write because you have to make sure that everybody has a reaction that's appropriate or something that's going to be, um, like everyone's going to be now watching and going, okay, how's Luthien going to deal with this? Yeah. So let me, uh, let me fill you in. Uh, you, you probably know this already cause we talked about it. Uh, I use a similar mechanic in the book that I just finished. Uh, we're gonna leave it untitled for now. But so there's this character that our that our main character Ren. There's a character. There's a there's a female character that he grows up with his entire life. She runs the shelter where he lives. And at the end of like the first main climax point, at one of the first big fights, she dies. And you're like, no way. No way. There's like a there's a realization, right, where she's already dead. You're wondering where she is for like twelve chapters, and when she finally shows up, she's possessed. She's demonized, basically. She's 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 gone. And Ren can't handle it. He like doesn't know how to accept it. And when he finally does, he just goes into this maniacal rage and kills everything. So it is a, it's a really effective way to um, have your characters be affected in the world and you can see that carried with them mm -hmm. through the rest of the story. Because not only did that 
you know, just watched one of his best friends die. But that's going to come up throughout the rest of the series and it's going to affect him as he grows. Just like we see this now with Luthien, Garth Rogar is dead. Like, it was one of his best friends, one of his closest comrades. Fought in the arena with him how many times? Yep. Hundred, or not hundreds, but... Now those days Damn are over. Close. Now those days uh, are over. Yeah, and... You know, it, it makes you it makes you want to. Even though this was the biggest chapter so far, I know it's only chapter two, but it's like it's actually a, a it's a thick boy. It makes you want to go to the next chapter because yeah. you want to see the reaction. Because you're you're wondering at this point, is this just another fantasy book, or yeah. is this something a little bit more? Do yeah. they actually have some consequences for their actions? This isn't just chopping off a hundred orcs' heads. This is yeah. actually going to have some repercussions, and I like how he did it. Um, okay, so places of note <clears throat> map, map, get that map. Here we are. Okay, so first, Isle Marvis, east of the Isle Bedrigen. Uh, none in the Northland can throw a banquet like the Earl of Marvis, Bruce Durgis. They have great wines, too. Uh, has shitty warriors in their arena, according to Aubrey. So that's Isle Marvis. Okay, Isle Bedrigen. Um, leek soup, leg of lamb, and multitudes of fish are the island's dish staples. They mentioned that nice. in this book. You know, like he just sprinkles these little things of yeah. like, you know, this it's... that was brought up by the fact that that is their dish staple or their island staples, but um, the people didn't like it. Aubrey and the Crohn's. So Bob does a really good job of doing that, right? And some would argue that on a description level, um, George R. R. Martin is sometimes over the top. Sometimes it's too much, right? We wouldn't know. Yeah, but sometimes it's too much, right? And I, uh, I've spoken to my brother. He's read the Game of Thrones books, or the whole series, you know, and uh, Song of Fire and Ice. And it, it, he says it's like sometimes it just goes on and on and on and on and on about every Tom, Dick, and Harry, about every freaking thing. And it's like, get to the point. And look at how well Bob does it here. Hey, got the leek soup and uh, leg of lamb. It's one of their main staples. And then we see little quips and little jokes back and yeah, forth. Aubrey the and, about and it. Yeah. Uh, the other one, they, they shit on it. And they're like, yeah. oh, leek soup. Almost like, they're, almost like they're talking back to the narrator sometimes, which is really funny. I find that funny. I don't yep. know. Uh, next place of, of note, uh, Montfort, formerly known as Care McDonald. It's north of the Iron Cross. Hell yeah, so, it does. Right there. So here's Isle Bedrigen, and here's Montfort. That's exactly where they're going to be going. So Duke Morkney um, runs the mining operation there in Castle Montfort. So that's what we were talking about when um, I believe it was Avonese said, if I wanted to see Cyclopeans fight, I'd do something, blah, 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 Castle Montfort. Like, that's where the, it's almost like HQ. Yeah. Okay. Then they, we got brought up the Dorsal Sea again. Bandits sometimes cause shipwrecks. Monsters sometimes come out of the water. So they're talking about in regards to, uh, like, you know, the shipping lanes or the the uh, fishermen, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, for real. Hail, which is the north. I, I liked this. You know, when we were talking about where people come from, Catherine O'Hale comes from Hale, which is on the northern uh, west tip of um, Isle Bedrigen. Yep. And um, right above it's Dunvarna. on the far side of Dunvarna, opposite of Bedrigen. Hardy fishermen 
uh, who brave the more dangerous waters of the Avon Sea. So there is now officially a difference between Avon Sea and Dorsal Sea. Yeah. And the Avon Sea is just a little bit rougher. You know, it's more of an open area or whatever. And that's where Catarin comes from. It's like which is pretty it, cool. If you thought the Dorsal Sea was messed up, well, get ready for the Avon Sea where the sharks eat each other for fun. Yeah. Welcome to your coastal paradise. They break each Try other's noses die. for breakfast. Right? Okay. And make your uh, head spin, bro. Word. <laughs> All right. Then the arenas of Vedrogen. Fighting is an ancient and necessary tradition on Vedrogen and all of Eridor, northern mainland. That's Three also years. Why they're so strong. Yep. And that's why they got. That's why they stopped. Uh, what was that place called? Gascony in a tracks. They no. stopped them. <laughs> uh, so uh, three years of training were required. Most stayed for four years. Um, they train with real weapons that are blunted to help cut down on deaths. The people, like, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, li- I, I like the real weapons aspect and the bluntings, the blunting is fine, but I like the real weapons aspect yeah. because now you have these people that are growing up doing this fighting with real still, weight. It's like, dude, if you fight with a wooden sword and I hand you a, a real long sword, yeah. it's, it's so different. You won't even My know how to wield will that be weapon. freaking sore after the yeah. first minute. Yeah. And you won't even know how to wield that weapon. Now, if you grew up fighting with the real thing. Yeah. Dude, bro, you're going to mess somebody up when you get a sharp weapon. Holy crap. The people deem fighting in the arenas worth the potential cost of accidental loss of life. few Damn. times in a decade it happens. Uh, because so not the that often. It's not that often. So because of the importance in being prepared for fighting for real. Fights are uh, for sport and training alone, no intentional killing. So that's why this is such a big deal when there is someone just going, you know. So... Again, it continues the pretentious theme from the others that have come in to Isle Bedrogen. And it, it, it keeps hammering home this point, right? Like, oh, you have your rules, but because of ancient traditions, yeah, and I'm the ruler, thumb down. Yeah, I'm going to press this button and see if you go along with it. Yeah, but it's... Let's see how they dude, react. It, it again... Genius freaking writing. I love it. I think it's enjoyable writing, you know. It is. It's fun to know. read. Yeah. There hasn't been a point. You Seems know, realistic. Maybe yes. There hasn't been really a point so far that I've been reading where I've been like, oh, this sucks. Like, I've been I've been enjoying it. I know you don't like the politics. Oh, I hate it. I, I, I absolutely you, hate I it. And, they, and then they don't. kill my boy, my, my bro. I'm just now like, you, this now is. You gotta know. Now you got to know. Lame. You know yeah. what I mean? I yeah. I'm like I already okay I already invested myself in a character in your freaking book and now you killed him. Yep. And uh, I'm shaking my writing. desk here, but uh, I kept going, and I'm glad I did. So special people, people of note, Viscount or Viscount Aubrey, the Duke's cousin. Minutes worth of titles, meticulously groomed, salty-haired man in his forties. Exaggerated. Yes. Where's a sword and a dirk? Hates leek soup. <laughs> uh, hey, man, that's important, dude. Yeah. Hey, you want to get him back? Hey, Feed him some leek send, soup. Uh, send Aubrey some leek soup tonight. I heard he's uh, not a fan. Okay. Baron Willman, Aubrey's fellow, for, you know, friend. Uh, not as many titles. He's foppish, which he was, which I don't know what that means, so I looked Fobish. it up. Concerned with his clothes and appearance in an excessive way. 
and a swaggering 25-year-old who also wears a sword and dirk. Hey, reminds me of somebody I know. <laughs> I don't know who you're referring to. Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally I'll, I'll be I'll totally be um Garrus. Uh, okay, no, I won't. I don't like him at this point. Okay, Alenia, uh, female escort. Both ladies have too much makeup on and perfume to hide their natural age. Nice. Uh, Evan S. is also a female escort, probably 50 years old, and a drunkard. You know, it was written as if they're escorts. I don't know if they are, but it seemed that way. They feel like hoe bags. Okay. So then um, uh, Garrus was... Uh, now mentioned an actual time, like uh, age. He's older than 60 because lived in the tough land of Bedrogen for more than 60 years, which you brought up in the beginning. And that's why he's not impressed by all these glitzy, glamoury titles. He could care less. Yeah. He's got gray hair, but he's still built like a brick house, you know, like... So when they're going off on all these titles, he's like, and he threw away his own trash, and he... Slayed a Cyclopean gods to bed his, his woman. And no. Garrus is just like, oh, Christ, I did that with yep. one arm. And then, um, okay, so then we got Bruce Durgis. Hey, th- this guy's my unsung hero. I want him to show up at some point because I love Bruce. from Just th- that little uh, play in my head of, like, Bruce knowing that um, Garrus is going to have to deal with these of jerks. Course. So Earl of Marvis, dear friend, he's a dear friend to Garrus and common sufferer in the dark times of the Wizard King's rule is how it's worded. So common sufferer, like this is when they go for when they go uh, for coffee before harvest season, you know, and they're they're meeting up and they're talking about what's going to be harvested this year. We doing soybeans. We doing what are we doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, what, are, what are we doing? Don? We doing leek soup again. Um, like a lamb, my lamb stock is down, bro. <laughs> He's a common sufferer in the dark so, times. Here's how I so took for the that, last right? twenty years they kind of probably got together more. I took that and I said, so that's like when you're at work and nobody wants to freaking be there, mm-hmm. but your one buddy is like suffering. He's got to go through something. Yeah. And then the boss walks back and he's like, "Hey, Dan hasn't been helping me at all." And come on, I'm trying to get this done. And then the boss looks at Dan and he's like, "Dan, help him out." And you're like, "You ass." That's what that basically yeah. reminds me of. It was hilarious. Very well done. And like funny it. as hell. Kept the kept the funny theme going right up until... <gasps> oh, he's dead. <laughs> Don't remind me. Okay, so then um, Ethan's mentioned again in this chapter uh, just the fact that he doesn't fight in the arena anymore. Garth Rogar. Hugoth. Barbarian warrant, warrior. A giant of a man. A full foot taller than Luthien. At 17 years old. Now, th- this is a Luthien tall boy. Remember for last episode? Six foot three, six foot four. Freaking skyscraper. Now this guy's a full foot taller, so he's seven three, seven four. Um, so, um, and then I wrote seventeen year old, seventeen years old, a man, huh? Garth is the only warrior not born in Bedrogen. He floated in with some flotsam, which is the wreckage of a ship, four years ago when he was just thirteen years old, probably caused by the monsters and bandits of the Dorsal. Nice. And he's noble by nature. I like it. Um, which is the name of uh, Garth's next mixtape coming out, Noble by Nature. Coming out never because he's dead. Catherine O'Hale. Fire Luthien's, redhead. Luthien's main squeeze. Uh, from yeah, the far side of Bedrogen in Hale, raised by tough fishermen, fiery red hair, uh, red-haired young woman. She's swole, so she's got muscled arms. She's described... If you didn't know that this was a girl, the way that they describe 
her you is thought very, she could be a man could have been Manly. a man like Manly. i'm not saying in a bad way i'm saying no that we're getting descriptions that are true we're not getting descriptions that are um fluffed up i should yeah. say you know so she's got muscled arms and she's fast and agile as any cat of course we got buck whoa yo buck wow he's a cyclopean we don't ever hear from him but i wish we did because it's such a cool name i want to say he's, he's like one of them fighters that you can just so buckwo to me like you said before can take a punishment right yeah so to me he's the guy you fight when you're trying out a new move and you're like yo let me give you a running drop kick and just tell me if it hurts okay okay and you just hit him in the thigh with a running drop kick and he's like did it hurt try again you're just like yep. the hell dude what do i gotta well, do to hurt you you know let's maybe correct that cyclopeans in this world aren't just like nah you know what i mean they they actually are very well spoken which was surprising why buckwo didn't say a freaking peep so maybe he's one of the i don't know i could actually see buckwo going actually the place you kicked me the right. nerves aren't quite yes. taut there you should have kicked me a little bit higher that would do more damage try again young bedwell and i'm just like buckwo yeah, stop, being a, stop uh, being a nine cyclopean a, a nine-year-old cyclopean girl could hit harder than that luthien um so then luthien we just keep adding all this lore to bob's world he's gonna come on and be like guys guys stop changing the world i'm not guys, jk rowling stop now. it you're so so observant <laughs> okay so luthien uh is mentioned again loves training in the arena making it his life's work to master it his yep. girlfriend katarin o'hale true warrior complete fighter determined to make his family especially his father proud lost his first fight in the arena ethan who uh, he wishes he could compare his growing skills to again. Um, Aubrey's crossbow wielding guard is a special person, unusual weapon for his kind. The crossbow was fitted with an, a, a device that had an opposing uh, and like angled mirrors attached to it uh, to the central sh shaft. It mentioned and noted it. It it was mentally noted by Garrus about that. That seemed, yeah, that's that's like a scope or a he, he was it, and it was mentally noted by Garrus that he seemed comfortable with his weapon. Uh, it's a sun-powered red dot sight. Excuse me. Get it right, or I will shoot you. Digital, digital scope, digital red dot. Um, what I liked about that, just the reason why I brought it up, was because Bad first of all, it's not unusual for a cyclopean to have a crossbow, so it already sticks him out. But now, um, it's noted by Garrus that he seems comfortable with the weapon, telling you more about Garrus. This guy's seen fights. This guy, he's perceptive. He, he can tell. He can look at you and size you up. He shakes your hand. He's like, oh, okay. I got you. You know, I know you'd punch me in the face if I pissed you off already. I love it. Injury Garrus report. Perceptive. We got an injury report. First injuries of the book happened right. this what chapter. Do what do we got, Doug? Luthien and Garth. Luthien's is half as much as Garth. Garth got a real lot of injuries. You could say it led to his death. Okay, so Luthien. So this is, imagine this is Luthien at the end of the fight. This is Garth at the end of the fight. This is what happened through that this fight. This is the tale of the tape. Stinging Nick on the hip from Garth's spear caused a bloody hip. So he's got, oh, okay, imagine your hip is cut. Okay, oh. this is with your friend. His thigh get uh, uh, thigh gets kneed by Garth, so now you got a little bit of freaking bruise. Bruise. Midsection kicked by Garth, <clears throat> you know. Gut. And with, it causes your wind to get blown out. It causes your wind to get blown out and you're doubled over and just freaking, you know, you you... Any one of these things on their own sucks, but this is what he gets. Takes a kick to the hip, spear thrust to the helmet, spear butt, end, spear butt end to the back and shield arm, which goes numb from Garth's punch, and exchange punches. So he's like freaking, 
<laughs> bruised up and you know what I mean? Beat Just shit. imagine that. He'd, yeah. <laughs> He'd beat the shit. Okay. Meanwhile, Garth O'Gara's got a broken nose and a new hole. Oops. Yeah. Oof. He does. He does. <laughs> Garth. He gets a shield bash to the chest and face. Gets a broken nose and he's bloody on one side of his mouth. It, he gets hit again with Lucian's shield, but only glancing blows. Takes swiping Nick to his knee. So that's bleeding. Takes a sword. Have you ever bled from your knees? It bleeds. A, it bleeds a lot. Yeah, it doesn't stop. It's Those weird. are stretch. They're stretch points. They don't stop. It's okay. So, t- so it takes a sword cut to the the left or to his lead hand, and it's very painful, but nothing's broken. Uh, chest pound from sword against leather uh, bandolier. Uh, forward forward momentum kick from Luthien that landed flat on his back, caused him to land flat on his back. Takes a snapping punch to the broken nose again. So not only is his nose broken and that hurts, breathe you can't breathe out of it. It's freaking sting, swell, stinging every time his heart's beaten, but now he gets punched again in it. I thought, Luthien, come on, man. You know his nose is broken. Why are you doing it? Anyway, well, he has to. He's a Hugoth, dude. Uh, so then he takes a, a left-right punch combination, exchanges punches, gets headbutted by Luthien, which is world spinning, which happened in the fight. His world spun after bro, he got a headbutt. Bro, I'm going to mess you up so bad I'm going to make your head spin. So in the beginning of this episode when we were talking about that, that's what you were referring to? Okay. Yeah. Good. I, I had forgotten about it. Okay, so leg sweep lands on on his back, knocks the wind out of him, uh, uh, takes an arrow to the heart from a Cyclopean guard with the crossbow that kills him. So, if he was injured, it wasn't He's for dead long. now. So, and ladies and gentlemen, that's chapter two. Dan, time. Oh, are we already at time on one yeah. chapter? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, the next one we do have to spend some time on. You know what I mean? It was, like, here's the thing. It was an interesting this is chapter. Re- and yeah. chapter two does such a good job of if you weren't already sucked into the world yeah. and into into what Bob is doing, chapter two does a great job of making you say, holy crap, I'm all in. Yep. Like, it, it was awesome. It was a great experience. At heartbreaking end of the chapter that makes you say, I have to know what happens next. I love Bob's writing style, and I love the mechanics he's using to keep me hooked, and I really can't wait to read more going forward. Yes, I, I also enjoyed um, the chapter. I, I, um, I enjoyed the writing of it. I did mm-hmm. not enjoy where it was going. I Once again, it's another um, Garrus cowing to Aubrey and the leaders and ends up actually causing the death of one of Luthien's best friends, we who could have potentially been a main character. I hated that, but it also, like you said, it makes me want to read the next chapter because now I am hooked. I and this is coming from a guy who didn't like it. I didn't like it, but now I got to see how this is handled. Yep. I will know, and I know now in the next chapter how they react to this. I'm gonna know if I'm gonna like this book. You know what I mean? I know I'm gonna if I'm gonna continue reading it or not. Yep. Uh, and I ended up reading the whole thing. It ends up the reaction to it is what I was looking for. The reaction I thought was realistic, and we'll get into that in Chapter 3. Um, but this chapter was just a really – it was a long one, so we just had to go over it like this. Yeah. But anyway, um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for joining me, Justin. Is that Next happy. week we're going to do Chapter 3 and maybe Chapter 4. I'm maybe just gonna if plan, we can do it. I'm just going to plan. If we're going to have discussions like this, I'm just going to plan on one chapter and two on a really, really good day. Yeah. But I'm going to plan on one chapter per episode. Okay. So, uh, Justin, where can they find you? The people want to know. Yeah, right. Um, well, 
What do you got going on? What are you cooking? You got a book? Okay, I'll I'll I help do. you a little bit. Uh, Justin's yeah. got a book. He's an indie author. Uh, he's got many books actually. Uh, go do. check him out. He's really good. I'll put a I, link in the description so that we can get people going there because it's, it's super, actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's super nice of you. I have a light novel series that I'm writing. There's no pictures. It's just text. It's called Tokyo Lightning. There's eight volumes. Eight volumes published, two part or one part of a movie published. I've got the second part of the movie written. I'm on volume nine, and it's a planned ten volume series. Uh, and we have a fantasy series called the Trinity of Heroes, which is well, it's the first book of the I Will Protect You saga, and then the second book, Grim Ultimatum, is the sequel, and it continues the storyline. So, if you guys were um, wondering why he was talking like from the perspective of a writer, it's because. Homie writes. I do. Homie's got lines. Homie's got bars for pages. Yeah, it, it's and it's just, it's fun to see how other authors write, especially established. I say professional authors. Yeah. Especially established authors it is really fun to see how people handle different situations and different writing styles. And I just I love I love Bob's work. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, isn't it wonderful returning to these books when now that it we're is. adults? It you is. Know, it's awesome. I always remember hearing my parents talk about that kind of stuff. Like when yeah. I was a kid and I watched this, I didn't catch any of this stuff. Well, now it's, it's it's actually wonderful going through and analyzing these things because um, it it is actually encouraging me to to look at those kind of things. Before I would just kind of read for eh, something to do while I'm driving or whatever. But I like going into these deep dives with yeah. you. I really yeah. appreciate. Yeah, I mean, you we are really. I mean, like we're spending an hour or more at a time on a freaking chapter, dude. On like an eight page chapter. That's insane. So it's, it's, it's more really than eight. Fun. It was like 15. It's really fun to do this with you. And I appreciate you taking time to chat with me. Great. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to uh, Random Book Club podcast. This was chapter two, uh, two lords and their ladies. <laughs> and next week we might do half of chapter three. <laughs> Catch you guys later. Signing off. <laughs>